If you're looking for a down-to-earth show about mental health, psychology, empowerment, and self-improvement with someone who's not only relatable, but super experienced and super educated, then you're in the right place. Qualified. Qualified. This is the Skelton Report, and this is your host, Mark Nathaniel Skelton. Welcome to the Skelton Report, a podcast for the people. Um, We've got a great special guest on today. we got Phil Sarpong. Go ahead and say what's up to the people real quick. Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's up? What's up? Cool. So, yeah, man, um, we're, you know, we just talk all things psychology. Um, Anybody joining us for the first time, uh, you're our honored guest and you're returning. You know, we appreciate the love. Uh, Just a quick reminder, you can go to uh, the the Udemy site where I got e-courses on power of discipline, making it happen, goal setting, and um, working with, uh, well, understanding depression from a minority perspective. Are you familiar with like e-courses or is that something that you... Uh, online courses? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So I know that's a new kind of thing happening. So people can, yeah, start getting aware of that. I actually, um, so being a personal trainer, I have some courses for my clients that they can take. So oh. um, I'm actually familiar with like Teachable and, and Udemy and stuff like that. Those are. Do you, you, do you have any courses? I do have a few. Yeah. I'll put, I'll put some of your links in the, the, the description. And I'll, okay. I'll get that from you. I'll get that. Yeah. So check out Phil. He got some courses too. So man, let's get it. So today, um, once again, we've got an interview with a mental health provider and uh, Phil, just introduce yourself. Say hi. Just tell us a couple of things. I know we got some things we're going to discuss, but you know, yeah. how are you doing? Let's banter a little bit. Like how's life? What's going on with you? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me on the, on the podcast. Um, so I'm, I'm doing well. I uh, just a little bit about me. I was I was born in Ghana, um, okay. but I actually grew up most of my life here in America. Okay, and uh, actually kind of bounced around uh, to a couple of states. So I've I've lived in Illinois. I've also lived in Iowa as well as Missouri, uh, Indiana, Massachusetts, Maine. So uh, a lot of different states. But I'm currently in Chicago. Okay, uh, my clinical psychology doctoral degree. So I'm a second year student. Okay. Well, um, let me uh, let me brag on you a little bit. Uh, I got a little bit of the bio. Um, so basically studied neuroscience in undergrad. Very good. And, and that was at IU? Yep. Indiana. Okay, cool, cool. So um, Hughes, that's my uh, home state, home state. So we, we, we noticed that on the, uh, the phone, uh, 317 area code. <laughs> so, yeah, we're in Indy. Let's yeah go. so that's good stuff. So we got that. And then it looks like you got a master's, educated brother, master's in health sciences. And um, this was at Boston University? Boston University. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And then it looks like we got um, some experience on dental assistant, clinical informatics specialist, pharmaceutical assistant as well, and a personal trainer. Definitely want to talk about that a little bit. And you're currently, you're at Chicago now, currently studying a doctorate of a uh, doctorate degree in clinical psychology. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm the uh, PsyD, uh, okay. anyone that there's the clinical psychology, PhD, clinical psychology, PsyD. So I'm more focused on sort of the clinical practice of, of therapy and things like that. So, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Very, and it looks like you're interested in becoming a sports psychologist. So I know we're going to talk about that a little bit and what that looks like and what that means. I think that's super cool. And then um, basically, it looks like you, um, I just did a presentation on solutions focus yes, the other day, actually yesterday, and um, I'm bringing that up because the background of the study talked about this kind of holistic approach mm-hmm. to um, mental health and the medical model. It looks like you're interested in that, the idea of like 
the body, the spirituality, the emotions of things are just as important. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm super into the mind body connection. I feel like for me, um, if you mind, I, I can tell a little bit of background. Yeah, man. Let's talk. Even got into psychology. So when I was in college, I actually wanted to be a dentist. Um, okay. And that's part of the reason that I became a dental assistant. And so I was, you know, majored in neuroscience. And so I learned a ton of information about the brain, which was awesome. Right. And being a pre-dental kind of track student, I learned also a lot about the body. And so the anatomy, the, the physiology of the body and things like that. And then actually when I graduated college, I applied to dental school and I, I got rejected from every school that I, okay. that I applied to. Um, and so that's actually the reason why I decided to get my master's in health sciences at Boston University. Uh, they acted sort of like a, as like a post-bac uh, program. And so there were other students there that were trying to get into dental school and um, medical school and things like that. And so it was a two-year program, applied to dental school again for the second time, and then I actually got accepted. Okay. Um, and I actually went into dental school for a year and a half. And so I actually learned a whole lot about the human body. You know, we took an anatomy class, learned about the head, the brain, the teeth, everything. And so throughout that course of time, I realized that something was missing and I just mm -hmm. wasn't getting the fulfillment or the purpose that I really wanted to in, in regards to actually like patient interaction. Right on. Um, and so there was a lot of things that happened there, but eventually I actually decided to, to switch to clinical psychology. And through that process, I became a personal trainer, uh, worked at a rehabilitation center. And so I actually worked with a clinical psychologist that was doing sort of the sports psychology. But okay. in that rehab center, they were focusing holistically on health. Right. And so as a personal trainer, I was working with people that had vulnerable physical health conditions. And in that we would have conversations about mental health. Right. Uh -huh. So, you know, people would be recovering from injuries and be, you know, struggling with depression and gotcha. we would have conversations about that. And so for me, it was really cool to see how the way that people were going through physical stuff and how that was affecting their mental health and then also vice wow. versa. And, and so that got me really into, into psychology and, and what that could mean in terms of pursuing a PsyD degree and, and learning more about that, getting into the research side of that, getting into the mental health side of that, and getting even into the trauma side of how people wow. will go through physical trauma, mental trauma, and, you know, trauma affects not just your physical, but your mental and your spiritual. And so that's something that I really am passionate about just in terms of like looking at the holistic health. The holistic. Man, I love the, how this story kind of came together. Like, cause even for me, I started off as a chemistry major. My dad was a chemist, God rest his soul. He's passed, but like, that's how I started off. And then, um, you know, through a series of events, kind of like you said, I landed in psychology. So for you, um, and, and I, I know we kind of talked about that spiritual component. We kind of see when God closes one door, sometimes he opens another one for you and you're, you're pretty proud with this choice here then. Of Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know, it, it's kind of a long story with everything that happened in dentistry, but right. uh, I'll keep it short. There was actually some racial things that happened okay. in my dental program. And I was looking to actually transfer into a dental, a different dental program. I see. And through that process, I just realized that this isn't, this isn't what I want to do with my life, you know? Okay. 
Um, so it was not only, I, I think the best decision for me, but it was also sort of like a, um, a, a, the best mental health decision for me as well. Um, Absolutely. So like those listening, just keep that in mind. Like sometimes you got to kind of ride the wave, right. Of, of what's going on and kind of do what's best for you. I love that you did that. And the other thing, um, I got to control myself. Like you're talking about that mind body stuff. I love that. Um, that's what actually got me interested in becoming in neuropsychology. I want to be a neuropsychologist, ho- hopefully Lord's willing. And like EMDR, I think I've talked to you about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah how that. So, and honestly, that kind of ties into how I kind of wanted to tell the people how I ran into you and how I met you. Cause you, yeah. I, I would call you a social influence, an influencer. You got material out there, you know. Um, so basically, I was um, studying for my neuropsych exam, and I'm looking for like videos. Like, man, where can I um, learn some more information on the material that I'm on? I came across your YouTube channel, yeah. right? And I think um, it's called Phil Phil's Guide to PsyD, right? That's and right. I, it was awesome to me because it was like, oh man, this is this black guy. He's He's in mental health. He's inside E2. And so that's kind of how I reached out to you. And I just learned a little bit more about you. Could you tell us a little more about like your YouTube and social media efforts and some of your goals with that? And so, and you guys definitely support him, but yeah, go ahead and tell us what a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's so cool that you uh, ran into my YouTube channel. It <laughs> honestly, it was something I, I think for me, like when I first applied to clinical psychology school, uh-huh. I, I wasn't really sure about exactly what clinical psychologists did, right? So right. I was the one that was going on YouTube trying to figure things out. And thankfully, I had someone that I could shadow and that I could actually like ask questions with. But the whole idea behind my YouTube channel, Phil's Guide to ID, was that I now I'm in a position where I'm in clinical psychology school. And I know there's a number of people that are applying to clinical right. psychology school. They may have tons of different questions like I had. And so... I, I remember I put out a video and I was like, ah, this won't get any attention. Like, this is just whatever. But my whole intention was just to help people right. apply to clinical psychology school. And also to, to represent in terms of being a black man, I just felt like, I felt like number one, this is going to be, this is rare that I'm even pursuing clinical psychology. And then also, even as you look into the clinical psychology field, uh, the percentages of black men are so few or even just black people in, in, in general. And right. so- for me, I was like, man, this is a really cool opportunity to, to show some representation, uh, maybe encourage other minorities to pursue this field if they want to. Mm-hmm. And um, didn't think it would get traction. And then I don't know. Yeah, some videos started kind of blowing up a little bit. And I was right. like, I guess I'll just kind of ride this wave. And I've been getting a lot of just different emails, people hitting me up. I also have um, people can follow me on uh, at Philip Sarpon on Instagram. But People will like just hit me up and, and DM me like just different clinical psychology questions and right. tell me like, hey, you, you got to do a video about this. You got to do a video about this. And so it's just kind of grown into this like community that I feel like people are just kind of helping each other. And right. uh, it's it's been really cool. It's been definitely a really huge blessing to kind of be able to help and support people. What uh, what type of things um, have you seen people have in need of? Because you know how sometimes you throw stuff out there, but then you kind of learn what some of the needs are and you adjust that like what do you see people needing most because I, I saw one of your videos on like applying to graduate school I know I saw that I thought yeah. that was pretty cool so, but just other things like what are you kind of learning from this yeah well I, I think you kind of mentioned it the whole neuropsychology thing I think is definitely a hot topic right now where okay. people are really really looking into that and 
I, a lot of the questions that I've been asked have been about neuropsychology and like what neuropsychologists do, how to become a neuropsychologist. And even for me, I didn't really understand it until I got into graduate school and I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of what they do and stuff like that. This is kind of how they work with other health professionals. And so I've, I've seen a lot of questions about that. I've seen a lot of questions just in general about like even wellness tips. Um, mm. We talked a little bit about the holistic health side and like taking care of your mental health or taking care of your physical health or your spiritual health and what all that means and having a good life balance and, and things like that. And so um, I think people are now kind of getting into what all the different things that you can do with PsyD. And so there's a a number of different career opportunities. People can go into the corporate side and work for organizations and businesses. You know, people can do the sports psychology and specialize if they want to. And so I think people are also asking about the specializations of clinical psychology because a lot of those are are fairly new. I would say like even within like the last 10 years, there just seems to be more specializations kind of popping up. So, okay. So, and that's kind of the reason why I asked you on too, um, that I'm basically on this side of the, of the moral vineyard, I'm kind of working toward, I've, you know, kind of the same idea, like, man, I feel like we could benefit just from conversations and people that I know personally, and just our circle of influence sharing kind of the idea of what mental health is. And so, and once again, that's how we kind of cross paths. Like, so I guess, you know, just for people listening, like what is clinical psychology and a doctorate from your point of view and, you know, help people out with that. And like, because you kind of told us how you got there and why you chose that field, but what, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. I would say uh, for me, it's, it's a lot of different things, right? It's you're, you are, you're a mental health professional. And, and so that means that you can do therapy with people. Um, You can do different types of therapy, whether it's cognitive behavioral therapy, whether it's other forms of therapy. And then I think the, the thing that really makes this field unique is the whole realm of psychological assessments. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yes. That's um, one thing I learned. I was like, dude, talk yeah, to us about that. <laughs> right. And so there's and so there's different types of assessments or testing, mm-hmm. whether it's personality testing okay. um, or whether it's neuropsych testing. And so I'm actually in a neuropsych practicum site right now. And so I work with a neuropsychologist. And one of the things that we do is that we help those who think they might have ADHD. Okay. So they'll come in, they'll say, Hey, like, I can't concentrate. I'm struggling with school. I don't know what's going on. So we'll do a number of different assessments with them and see what's going on. And then from the results, we'll be able to see like, Hey, I think you might have, yeah, you might have some things going on. This is kind of how your brain is processing certain types of information. And these are the treatment options that you can do, whether it's through medication, whether it's through some type of um, learning module or some type of accommodation in school. Like, and so I think it's that type of thing where it's anything that's neurological or anything that's psychological, where it's like a, a serious mental health illness and how to go about that or a neurological disease and how to go about that. I think anything where that happens in the brain that affects our uh-huh. human behavior and, and, and things like that. So. So I'm on, um, basically, and that's another reason why I thought it was so cool that we connected is that you're in your second year, you said, and I am. Yeah. And that's where I'm at too. So I was just like, man, that's awesome. And, um, I was just talking, uh, I was just finishing up a paper. I think me and you were talking the other day about kind of the finals and all that type of stuff, but, um, where I'm working on something about mindfulness mm. and I know you just brought up ADHD. And one thing I learned, maybe you can speak to it is like, 
it, it's common. It's one of the most common diagnosis amongst children, period, whatever your race is. Yeah. But I'm learning African-Americans are underdiagnosed because sometimes they don't get the, the necessary referrals. There's certain yeah. disparities. And then sometimes we just got a stigma with mental health. Yeah. And so you, you would encourage individuals to you think there are times when ADHD is what it is or there's, it's necessary to, to get psychological testing. Yeah. You know, that's such a that's such a deep man. Um, topic because I feel like, you know, especially in the black community, like you said, um, because mental health is, can be a stigma in the black community, children may not get the, the help that they, that they need mm-hmm. or teachers or parents may not be looking for those resources or they might go to someone and get misdiagnosed, right? With mm, something like uh-huh. bipolar or something that's different than ADHD. So now they're taking medication that's actually not helping them at all. And so I think the thing with, um, I think the thing that I've seen even in where I work is that it is primarily, it's, it's on the suburbs. Okay. Chicago, so it's not as diverse as I would like. But and so most of the population that we see is uh, white Americans. And and so I do see a lot of differences between how their care and their treatment options is kind of even addressed and approached. And then, you know, I've also been in communities where it was perhaps overlooked or children who were minorities didn't get the attention that they needed. And so it's a very, very interesting situation, but it's definitely needs to be more talked about. I feel like in my, in my personal opinion, I don't know about your experience. Well, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm kind of learning. Even some of the points that you made, I know like as providers, the last stat I saw from like, I think the U S workforce census was that we make up 5% African-Americans make up 5% of the psych psychologist workforce. That means you're 95% certain that you're not going to get an African-American provider if you're if you're black going to get help. So that's something that's alarming. So that's another reason why I think it's important for us to encourage uh, people in our community to get into the industry. That's like one leg of it. And another one is um, like um, individuals that are in need of services. I think it's important to have a cultural provider and to make sure that whether you get one or not, I think it's important to get services. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you said something I kind of I kind of want to jump on. You like you notice some of the differences um, from community wise. D- differences aren't necessarily bad either. You know, I'm just you know they're, they're that's what they are. But I, I'm kind of curious if I can ask because I know you you said you're from Ghana too, right? Yeah. Right from the motherland. That's awesome. So to me, I'm wondering <laughs> I'm wondering what differences do do you notice differences from like having like being from Africa, then the black community, is there a difference there? And then black community from the majority culture when it comes to mental health or any different, this, where does your mind go when I ask, like, what are some of the psychological differences that you notice or things people need to know? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because there are differences even in the African community, right? African uh-huh. And so even though I was born in Ghana, I've lived most of my life in the U S and uh, I'm married. And so I'm actually married to um, a black woman who's not directly from Africa, but, you know, okay. her generations of her family have lived in the United States. And so she has this black American culture. Right. I have this African culture. And so uh, the cultures are, are similar, but very distinct. And I think even 
in regards to mental health, you can see mental health stigma in, in the black community, but you can also 100% see a mental health stigma in the African community. Okay. The way that I would describe that is that it's not, it's just not talked about. It's not addressed. It's, it's almost like mm. I come from, um, you know, a fairly religious background. And so sometimes there's pros and cons to that because from a spiritual perspective, it's very easy to over spiritualize. Right. Health, right. And so instead of like going to, you know, you go to a doctor for your physical health, it's not, it's kind of frowned upon to go to a mental health professional for your mental health. Right. Cause there right. could be some stigma behind that. And so I think in the same way, like in African communities, there's sort of this, like, you can just, Oh, if you're going through depression, just pray it away. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or just read, read the text, read the Bible, it'll go away. But then, you know, we we're also given wisdom, right? The Bible says we're also given wisdom. And so just in the same way that you'd go to a doctor for your physical health, Talk you can you. also go to your mental health professional for your mental health and still pray at the same time. You right. can do both things. It's not and either so, or it's both. And exactly. And so I think that's now starting to kind of grow a little bit more in the African community, especially now that we have second generation immigrants that are here in the United States. Right. Also kind of even developing their own culture. That's a little bit maybe more progressive than the traditional side of their parents. Right on. So um, I'm grateful though. My parents, you know, they are, they're definitely traditional African. They, you know, they speak the language, they eat the food, Gotcha. but they have an open perspective in terms of, um, even supporting me in my own mental health journey and also supporting me in becoming a psychologist, I think they see that, yeah, there is this need and it's okay for mental health professionals to also even work alongside of the spiritual side of what's going on in people's mental health journeys. Man, let's, let's yeah. talk about that a little bit because, you know, um, my master's program um, is so like I, the last two people I had on, one is Josh Brenner, a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, Eddie journey and right. I, I interviewed them previously and we kind of had this conversation and at CTS, basically, um, it was a, um, Christian theological seminary, but mm-hmm. basically I didn't necessarily go there for the theology part of it, um, or the divinity, but it was more for the counseling. And so what was part of that was this spiritually, spiritually integrated psychotherapy piece where, uh, you know what I mean? Where that's kind of integrated and it's not necessarily about evangelizing people, but more so just allowing that conversation, you know what I mean? To be had if the, if, if it's part of the client's worldview. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's so important for that. To, and, and, and something I'm noticing too, and maybe do you notice this too, is like, I think it may be helpful too, for pastors and leaders of places of worship to understand when it's necessary to make that referral. Yeah, I see. What what, do you, what are your thoughts on that piece of it? Oh, man. I yeah. Mean, yeah, you're telling the truth because so I'm actually in a I'm actually in a Christian uh, clinical psychology program. OK, cool, cool. And cool. so the whole concept is to sort of integrate psychology and spirituality together. And and there's a number of different research labs that are kind of dedicated to to trying to help churches and right. say, hey, look, you know, if you, you guys are seeing all of these things among your members in regards to mental health, 
And, you know, for a pastor or for or someone that's working in ministry, they're not trained in the realm of, of mental health, like psychologists or therapists are. Right. So they, they just don't, they don't have the knowledge. They don't have the tools and the resources to really help their members. And so there's a number of different organizations that go in and say, Hey, look, it's okay for, for you to u- utilize our services. Right. Because this is a very like, because once you start, it can be really tricky to start getting into the realm of spiritual abuse, mm. right? Where it's like, you know, pastors or, or, or churches start, you know, trying to kind of take over a little bit. And it's like... And that dual relationship sometimes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think I think the realm of psychology and spirituality, you get, can work together. But there, there definitely has to be sort of this... Um, there's boundaries. Boundary, right? boundary, yep. There's healthy boundaries, but it's okay to have these conversations between mental health professionals and pastors and ministry leaders as, as well. Yeah, because I, when I was back in India, I was uh, attending, still a member at a great church, um, Metro Church of Christ, and our, our minister, uh, Middlebrook, awesome man. Like we we did this um, uh, health fair basically, where I kind of talked about mental health and and I want to and kind of you spoke to it. And I want to validate that for people listening. There's a reason why there's a stigma when you kind of think about it. Um, when you look at the history of psychology and some of the stuff that's happened to us, you know, throughout the years, there's a reason why and the lack of providers. But um, I also want to support what you're saying, too. And, and why I brought up CTS is like um, the pro- Proverbs tells you seek counsel. It's, it's, and, and it's and it's not and it's not a lack of faith. And I think that's one of the um, the challenges people struggle with, like. Am I losing faith in my Lord or am I losing faith in my, in my theology if I seek help through mental health? Right. right. And yeah, and it's like, no, it's like, not, that's not the case. Like you, you can get so much benefit out of, out of knowing that there is an opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about what you're going through. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's also other people that are going through the same things that you're going through. You're not alone in the process. Right. But it's, it's how we speak about that in church. And it's also how we kind of address those situations. Um, yeah. In, in, in church groups and things like that. And so, and, and, and I think another piece, like I read in uh, the, the African handbook of psychology about how just spirituality is an important um part of kind of the, the black experience. I know there's Pew research that backs that up um, kind of along those lines and kind of, you know, as we kind of soldier on a little forward, I'm wondering, me and you talked about therapy ourselves and, yeah. and uh, you know how we're kind of talking about bringing down stigma. I know personally, I, I, I see a therapist and I have before a little bit of my story is, and I shared it before is like uh, mental health was a sti- was a stigma. I mean, honestly, it wasn't even really brought up. It was like it was non-existent. Like you didn't see therapists in my household. It's just that that wasn't even an option, really. Like I didn't even know it was an option. And then so when I went to um, my master's program, they required us to get therapy mm. um, in order to uh, see clients. And I thought that was a pretty good practice. And so I had like all my life stuff just kind of bottled up. And since then I thought it was a great experience. And so when I moved out here, there isn't even nothing that serious per se that has to be going on, but I, I sought out the counseling services just to, you know, keep myself fresh, sharp in my mind together. There's a lot of things going on. Um, what's your experience with mental health? Do you support that? Do you, do you see therapists that doesn't need to be culturally relevant or anything along those lines for you? 
Oh yeah, that's a great question. Um, I I a hundred percent support therapists going to see their own therapist. Okay, and just in general, I actually um, I've been I started seeing my therapist I think a couple of years ago, and it was while I was actually in dental school, and so I, I started my mental health journey with like kind of that fear a little bit of like, man, I'm about to go see a therapist. What does that say about me? Mm. Instead, of saying about, instead of asking myself the question of like, this is what, this is how I'm taking, this is, this is self-care, right? Like this wow. is, this isn't just about what it says about me. This is actually about self-care. And so I think once I kind of reframed that in my mind, it was a lot easier for me to, to talk about it. You know, and I, I keep going back to the example, but just like someone says, like, hey, I got a doctor's appointment, you know, next week, Tuesday, kind of just making it normal. Normalizing it. Yep. Yep. Normalizing it. Right. Being like, yeah, I got a, I got a therapy appointment, you know, next week coming up. And I don't care who hears that because it's like, look, there's it doesn't say anything wrong about me. It just says that I'm aware of my mental health and, and I want to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. Um. And so that was that was something that from from dental school I took forward even in, in clinical psychology school where it's like, yeah, this is still something that I need to kind of just be cognizant of. Mm. Um, I know that there's so many different um, when it comes to physical health, you know, like when you stub your toe. Right. And you you feel that pain immediately, you know, right. and either you're going to do something, you're going to take like some type of ibuprofen or, you know, wrap it up or something like that. But I right. feel like we have mental injuries all the time. Uh, right. And, and it's hard because our brain doesn't process it in the same way as physical pain. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they may process it as I'm just going to bury this and not take care of it. And then the injury just gets bigger and bigger and bigger Sweeping it on the rug. And then you end up exploding. Snapping. Exactly. Exactly. And then we wonder why, you know, we may act out against somebody or we may be like, impatient or we may be like not feeling our best because there's these mental injuries that are so easy just to put under the rug and not take care of and it's just one of those things where in a way your brain is telling you hey like go do that right you're kind of pushing against it you know what i mean like you know if you if you can't sleep at night or you you can't really concentrate on something it's like your brain is trying to tell you those are the signals that it's telling right Uh but it's like we're so quick to just be like oh i'm gonna just tough i'm gonna toughen up i'm gonna get through it i'll be okay and it's like no like this whole whole realm of self-care i think is just something that people in our society especially it's so easy just to not address and kind of just push under the rug man so like um man there's two things i want to ask you or go after that so basically like i always use the example of like when a smoke de- detector is going off it's signaling letting you know something's not right like the, the thing you don't do is go and, uh, and take the batteries out and like you end up burning up right you know what yeah. i mean so the yeah. like i love that analogy that you made is the problems with sleeping the problems with concentrating is your body telling you that you kind of need the help so like i guess Self-care, I, I've heard that phrase. Well, hold on, let me come back to that. Let me come back to that. I've, I, I, I got to jump on this. You mentioned like that feeling some type of way to, to, to go to therapy. And maybe sometimes you feel some type of weakness. I feel like I've had some strong individuals on here. Uh, Aaron Beathy, he is a, a PsyD program and a PsyD program in New Jersey, killing it. You know, um, he does therapy. You, yourself, therapy, uh, Eddie Journey, therapy, m- myself. 
Uh, what would you have to say to speak to that piece where to get over that hump of this is weak as a male? Because I feel like us in the field, we're kind of double minorities, a male and, you yeah. know, black. So w- what words do you have towards anybody that's like, oh, this is weakness and I'm, when I go get help? For me, I don't know. I think I just I just I just thought to myself, I'm going to try this. And if it doesn't work, then it's not for me. If it works, then great. Like okay. I just. For me, I felt like I had to just get over the hump of like, I care too much about my happiness than I do about embarrassment or than mm. I do about just appeasing to a culture that I come from, right? Like, gotcha. like I got to put myself first at some point. And so I think when I did that, I got so many great benefits out of it right away. And right. I still do. And so I think, I think it's, it's, it's easy to dismiss it without trying it, but then you haven't tried it. So how can you, what, how are you going to knock it if you ain't tried it? Right. How can you form a, an opinion about it if you haven't even tried it? And so, um, and I understand, I think I, I talked to a lot of um, black people just about their, their tension with, with therapy. And a lot of it is, you know, they, they can't find a black therapist, right? Mm, okay. I'm in Chicago and, you know, I've tried to, to look for black male therapists and a lot of them are booked, right? Or a lot of them, you know, are a little bit further away. So I, I understand that piece of it. And I think for me, that kind of held me back for a little bit. Actually, my, my first therapist was uh, a white woman. And then my same, second, same with me, same with me. Right? And then yeah. my, my second therapist was a black woman. And so, you know, I understand that piece of it of like, kind of still holding back because you're not exactly sure if the, maybe if the profession has your best interest in mind. Right. Legit. But I think that for me, I'm like, man, at the end of the day, like my, my mental health, my mental health journey, it doesn't negate what else someone else, what, who's sitting across from me at the end of the day, it's me really being the one that is leading my mental health journey when I go to a therapist, they are just coming alongside me and trying to help me, right. and me through the process. But at the end of the day, I'm really the one that's leading the process. And so I think that's why I try and help people to understand that it's like, at the end of the day, I mean, you can, you can try and find the, the perfect therapist, but at the end of the day, it matters more about the fit and about where you're coming from in terms of how works for you. you want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah, because so, it sounds like you're saying... Uh, this is just one part of the toolbox. Like you, you know, you, you, you may be going exercise and you, you got your family and friends and then therapy is one part of that, you know, and then maybe your uh, church congregation is another, like yeah. all, all this kind of fits in part of the journey. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, exactly. and then, so I think a, a follow-up, which is kind of broaden this to kind of everybody. I, I love that phrase self-care. I know you mentioned, I didn't learn about that until kind of like my program, like, what is self-care? What, what does that mean, especially during this COVID season? Like, yeah, what, what is self-care and how do you, what does that mean for someone listening? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different elements of self-care, right? Because it's like, it could be, you can think of self-care as, well, I'm just not working. And I, that's for me, like that was my definition of self-care was I either work and then I don't work. But then I've learned for me, my personal journey, that self-care is also intentional too, right? And so it's not just me coming home from work and then watching TV 
and then calling that self-care. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then going okay. to like, oh yeah, I, I self-cared. I, I relaxed. Right. And does that really fill me up? Does that really kind of fill my soul? And there's a term that I've been hearing a lot lately is soul care. Oh, okay. And, and just this idea of being intentional about how you are refreshing man, your spirit, man. how you're refreshing your soul. Like when you go through some type of self-care practice, do you feel more energized? Do you feel more free? Do you feel more uh, just either blessed or open or grateful? Mm -hmm. and, and so there's obviously a, a ton of different ways right, to, to define it. You know, like it, it's hard to kind of put it all in a box, but I would say that it's, it's number one, it's, it's intentional. Intentional like that. It's, it's, it's something that, that fills you up that, that you make time for. <laughs> right. For uh, you. And you, yeah, right. you set a good boundary on that. Exactly. For you, it's not something that's like, oh, like it happens when it happens or, Gotcha. You know, I'll do it when I do it. It's like, no, I'm setting this time aside uh, to literally just refresh myself the best way that I can, whether that's through reading or journaling or meditating or even exercise. It, it, it's and I think it could also even be done with other people. Right. Like okay. you, can, you can find a friend and say, hey, look, like what if we practice self-care together? And I think that could be a, a beautiful practice as well, whether it's like you guys doing yoga together, you guys taking a walk and meditating or, but you know, it's like, you also want to be careful that, you know, you guys are kind of like on the same page and Painful. they're not treating it as um, a hangout or, you know, we're just. Right. Well, you know, I think, I think about, I'm, I know you said you're married. I think about that. Me and my wife had those conversations. I think with yeah. children and in school and things are busy. She's working, I'm studying. Sometimes it's like, dude, we got to get a babysitter. All right. <laughs> and we're getting away and we're going to do some self-care. Like we went to a bookstore last time. That was, so I, I like that idea where you can kind of keep yourself accountable and, and work together. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I do that with my wife as well too, where it's like, look, you know, we are both feeling the weight of this week. How about okay. we just go and, and just refresh and just get some time. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's great. I mean, it's, I love that, that idea of like whatever it is. So anybody listening for the people, like it needs to make you feel refreshed because I've always said, man, you cannot pour from an empty cup. You're around here filling everybody else up. Like when are you going to be able to get yours? And so I always kind of use that analogy of a car too. Like if you're driving that car and you don't put no gas in it, if you don't change the tires, if you don't get the oil, it's going to eventually break down. And right. that's kind of like who we are. You have to make sure you're taking care of yourself, um, especially do you think COVID, like, do you think things are, we're used to this now? Or do you think that kind of adds to some of the pressure that's on people? And, yeah. and do you have any tips or what, what are some yeah. thoughts? I think you shared a few, but. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like COVID did a number on people in general. And I think, even working in the, the neuropsych practicum side for me, like we are, they've never been this booked ever, right? Gotcha. Like they're, they're booked all the way, I think, to like March or something like that. And there's a lot of therapy, private practices that are also booked for long durations of time. And so in one way, it's like, it's good because people are seeking services or are seeking help, but it's a whole another thing too, because it's like, well, what would have happened if, our society was practicing self-care before COVID happened. Right. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like it's not too little too late, but it's almost like, man, I can only imagine how our society would have looked like if this was one of our main priorities in actually practicing self-care. And I know there's a number of different things that have happened uh, with the, the racial injustices, the yeah. you know, endemic, the, the politics. Obviously, there's so much that has happened, but I, I see people really looking for a place of security and safety. And so yeah. Yeah. I think one of those avenues really is taking care of whether it's our physical health, our mental health, or our spiritual health, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm still a personal trainer. And so what I do, I actually still see clients um, on the side as a part-time gig. And mm-hmm. that's kind of one of the things that we talk about. We talk about wellness for body, mind, spirit. And so we talk about basically when it comes to physical health, there's three things that you can think about when it comes to your physical health. There's how much sleep you're getting. Okay what you're putting into your body and then there's the physical exercise and so what most fitness trainers are going to say is that nutrition is probably like 60 to 70 percent of your overall fitness gotcha yeah like you can work out you know five times a week but still not get the great results that you're looking for if you don't actually put into your nutrition and so and so that's something that we talk about in the realms of physical health but i think like even looking at our bodies as, as temples, right? Like even right. from a perspective of like, how am I taking care of my temple? How am I taking care of the vessel that my spirit exists, right? And so even kind of being mindful of the way we take care of our physical health and then also the way that we take care of the mental health and seeing a therapist or, or journaling or meditating. And then also I think community really does impact people's mental health so like being a part of a community where you feel safe where you feel secure where you feel like there are people in your life that you can trust or that have your back or that have that social support i think that all kind of contributes also to your spiritual health as well and so i know that i just mentioned a whole lot of different things about self-care but i think i want to give a a general just like you, you have to make it into what fits you yeah as long as you're intentional about it and as long as it it makes sense to you as long as it works for you you might have to practice different things and so i'm reading this book that talks about spiritual disciplines and there's like over a hundred spiritual disciplines and it's like which one should i do or what should i do and it's like sometimes you just have to pick one and try it out and see for you and if it doesn't just move on to the next thing. Like that's part of the whole self-care journey. I, I don't think that I'm ever going to arrive and be like this self-care guru that just, guru. Don't, you know what I mean? Like right. I'm, I'm never going to be that way. I'm constantly going to be learning and figuring out what works best for me in different situations. Okay. I lo- and so I think I got time for like one more question where it kind of ties us all together. So those listening, it sounds like you're kind of summing up what it means to be um, holistic. Like, it's all these things. It's what you're eating, what you're giving your attention to, your mind, your emotions. I actually gave a, a mental health tip today, and it was just that about staying connected with people that mm-hmm. mitigates depression and anxiety and all those type of things. Um, so and it, I, I love the idea that where you said you're a sports trainer. So I know that I want to say that last one for you, like talk a little bit about sports training. And, and um, I know you said you want to go into sports psychology. Like what type of things can you do with that or 
what kind of tips you have for people from what you've learned in that industry? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, like I said, when I first got exposed to clinical psychology, it was this clinical psychologist that I was working with at a, a rehab center, and he was actually a sports psychologist on the side. And so what he would do is that I think every week or so he'd go to the colleges and he'd work specifically with the athletes and he would work with them on their mental health. And so he would help them to deal with the anxiety of performing. He'd help them deal with kind of anything that was mental health related in terms of their personal lives, but really just being able to be focused. Some of the things that he also did was that he would work with organizations and kind of help them mitigate like just different issues that might be going on in the locker room or with coaching mm. players and things okay. like that and so just sort of a facilitator of what it could mean for a successful team a, su- a successful organization and how they also support their players and their athletes and so when I thought about that I instantly thought about just this whole like concept of obviously like physical health and mental health and how I could potentially contribute in that way. Bundle it all together, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's funny, like I'm still definitely interested in the sports psychology, but I'm also, this is kind of a different topic, but I'm also actually getting more interested in um, one of the things I'm doing in my research is looking at race and spirituality. Okay. In general, racism, race and spirituality. And so I, I... I don't know if I'll actually specialize in sports psychology. I think that's something that I definitely want to dab, dab into a little bit, but right. I think in the realm of trauma that we talked about earlier, when you, when you look at trauma, I think, I think exercise or physical health is one of the ways that you could potentially um, help people in terms of, of trauma. I don't know if you've heard of like yoga based therapy for trauma. Yeah. A little yeah. bit, a little bit, just because I kind of recently I've been getting into that mindfulness stuff, man. And like that. So, I, so of course, I kind of come across that literature. Yeah. yeah. And I and I think I think it's fascinating. There's also a book called um, The Body Keeps the Score. Mm. It's it's come a on, come on, bro. You know, it's in the library. You know, it's in the library. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so, you know, I think even in the relation of trauma, I think for me, like what I hope is that as a psychologist, if I can do a little bit of research in the, in the racism and spirituality aspect, Beautiful. and then if I can do, you know, obviously the, 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 the therapy with individuals and then also couple in a little bit of, there's something called exercise therapy. Okay. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like a growing field. I don't know if you've heard of walk therapy. Oh, it's 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 basically therapy but you're walking and so you go to the therapist and you instead of sitting in a room you just go outside and you walk and then you talk and mm. there's something i've heard of you, wilderness therapy i don't know if it's the same but oh. there are things that are growing i see what you're saying okay yeah that might be similar where it's like you know it's outside exactly where it's like yeah like just physiologically when you go outside and, and it's a nice day and it's like it, it opens you up a little bit to maybe talk a little bit more about what's going on in your life. Right. And so it's just a little bit of a different scenery than actually sitting down and being in a room. And so yeah. uh, there's a lot of research that's shown that people are, are actually more open when they are in those settings and they're, they're walking and they're talking and there's therapy involved. Um, and obviously there's pros and cons to that because, you know, confidentiality and people right. 
here and you know it, is it a loud city and like all these different things but right. i think it's just like it's i think the creativity in terms of what we can do when it comes even in the in, in the yoga realm or even in the physical exercise realm where let's say and there's a lot of therapists that'll do this so they'll, they'll do like mindfulness or meditation exercises even in the therapy room right and they're they're starting to to actually do the same thing with exercise so for example if someone's riled up and they're and they're super anxious or whatever doing like a five to ten minute let's say exercise and kind of getting their heart rate up and getting them just a little bit just breathing heavy mm, right so yeah. just physiologically you know impacting what they're feeling emotionally to where it's like exactly. now they can kind of calm down they can focus on their breathing they can do some some of that diaphragmatic breathing where it's like okay now that i'm kind of gotten my frustration out right like yeah. let me let me talk let me let me figure this out and so just kind of mixing that a little bit i think is something that i'm interested in and it's a, it's a new thing a lot of people okay. off the press. The, but there's some research that's growing where it's like people are starting to really mix in the physical with the mental and and seeing how it can really actually help people's holistic health man that i mean that's awesome and uh, man we we're at time, I, but to me, I, I think there's more to be said, man. We might have to, we might have to have a part two, or we'll talk again. But like to me, man, I think this was just a beautiful, beautiful conversation, man. Like, wow. I appreciate you, Grace, us with your presence and your expertise. Um, definitely, any any last words or um, yeah, what's a, what's some things you can leave people off with? Just a, a word of encouragement. Oh man, you know, if if you are interested in clinical psychology, you know. Listen, I think that there are so many open spaces, especially from minorities that are looking into that field. Yeah. Um, if you are just in general, just thinking about self-care and you've thought about going into that journey, don't think about it. Just just give it a try. I think there's so much benefit to come out of it. And lastly, I'll just leave with, you know, people can can subscribe to my channel at Phil's Guide to Side D if you are interested in learning more about clinical psychology or you can follow my my wellness for body mind spirit instagram page i can kind of give you i could probably give you the links to that yeah that, the, oh yeah you, you you're not gonna get out here before i get that <laughs> link i'm gonna i'm gonna give i'm gonna put the link in the description so okay. people, definitely i'm supporting him like go there check his stuff out great guy I, I appreciate you for your time man we're gonna be praying for you man you already know uh, through the journeys and we'll just we just we'll stay in touch thank you man i i appreciate having me on thank you oh, cool peace You've been listening to The Skelton Report. Mark's passion is mental health, psychology, empowerment, and self-improvement. And his education and background prove that he's more than qualified to be speaking about these issues. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we hope you've picked up some useful information along the way as well. Find us now on Apple and Google Podcasts. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. We'll be back soon. In the meantime, hook up with Mark on Twitter and Instagram at Skelton underscore Neuro on Apple and Google podcast at The Skelton Report. To reach out with comments and questions, send an email to skeletonneuroscience at gmail.com. Check out the e-courses on Udemy by searching Mark N. Skelton and find the website at www.skeletonneurocounseling.com.